0: You're listening to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, where we firmly believe food should fuel your life, not restrict it. Each week, one of our registered dietitian nutritionists will motivate and educate you with accurate and reliable nutrition information to help you achieve your health goals using food. Whether you struggle with yo-yo dieting, weight loss, portion control, or simply just understanding the right eating patterns to get real, lasting results, you're in the right place. I'm Dietitian Kate, nutrition expert, ex cardio bunny turned barbell junkie, and your host for today's episode. Are you ready to dive in? Hello, everybody. I hear from a lot, emphasis on a lot, of clients that late night snacking and overeating completely derails their progress. And no matter how quote unquote good, they do during the day or maybe even every few days. They can't seem to say no to food after dark. On today's podcast, I'm gonna help you learn how to stop overeating late at night. I'm gonna share with you common causes of nighttime snacking, the solutions that don't work but are marketed to tell you that they will, and share with you some long-term practical strategies you can implement ASAP to help you gain control around food after you've eaten dinner, put the dishes away, and are relaxing in your humble abodes. But first, I must tell you who our sponsor is for today's episode. <laughs> Not a shock if you've listened to any of our episodes recently, but our sponsor is us, Nutrition Awareness. So I'm Kate, I am one of two registered dietitians in our private practice, Nutrition Awareness, who can help you stop dieting and stop taking fat burners or following bullshit programs to actually help you reach your biggest health goals in a sustainable and, might I say, fun way. And while we have a few different coaching structures at Nutrition Awareness, this podcast is brought to you specifically by our daily accountability program, which we nickname DAP for short. Dap is like having a virtual little dietitian in your pocket who you can pull out and communicate with whenever you need her. Now, if you're new to our podcast and you have no idea who we are, let me share with you our philosophy. We don't believe there is a one-size-fits-all formula to eating, so DAP allows us to hyper-personalize your specific nutrition plan while ensuring you actually stick to your healthy lifestyle or weight loss goals. Cause that's the hardest part, right? (laughs) Actually following through with things you say you're gonna do. And we do this all on your phone with daily videos and text messages. When you join DAP, we will help you overcome your biggest day-to-day struggles when it comes to eating healthily. In fact, some of the common practices we teach our current and past DAP clients include managing sugar or snack cravings, controlling portions at meals, making time from food prep, staying on track during weekend events or holiday travel or even work travel, balancing those fun treat foods with very nutritious meals, and staying hydrated will help you identify which areas in your day-to-day routine need a little TLC. And that doesn't just include nutrition. It also includes exercise or physical activity, stress management, sleep, emotional and mental health. All of those things impact your general well-being and ability to make healthy food choices. So if you are curious about DAP, I invite you to view our DAP application form, which provides even more information as well as some testimonials from previous clients who have found success on DAP. To fill out an application, just visit our website, orlandodietician.com coaching and scroll to the bottom of that page. There you'll find the DAP application form. If you have questions about DAP, there is a section in that application where you can ask anything you want from who the program is for or who it's not for, what can you expect, the commitment level. But if you want some real, real insight on what goes on in the magical program of DAP, also feel free to send one of us a direct message on our Instagram at nutrition.awareness. When you fill out that application, Megan and I will get back to you ASAP to see if you're a good fit for the daily accountability program. So I give you permission right now to pause this episode, fill out an application on the nutrition awareness website, which again is orlandodietitiancom coaching. And just so you know, dietitian is spelled D I E T I T I A N. So pause fill out the application and come right back, and hopefully we'll get to meet you on DAP. Okay, late night eating, snacking, binging, whatever you wanna call it, I want to paint a picture of what I often hear from clients when I ask them what their biggest healthy eating and weight loss struggles are, and it's related to late night eating. I'll say something like, hey susie (laughs) tell me about what a normal day of eating looks like for you and our sweet susie will say something like well i wake up in the morning and i don't eat anything before my orange theory class but if i do have anything it's like an iced coffee afterwards i have another coffee maybe a protein bar Then I'll have a salad at lunch with grilled chicken and dressing on the side. Sometimes I'll have an apple, but I try not to eat fruit because a YouTube ad told me that fruit is bad. And then for dinner I'll have baked salmon and veggies with water. And I'll say, wow, Susie, that's not a whole lot of food, especially if you're doing an Orange Theory class in the morning. And she might say, well, my problem actually starts after dinner. That's how I eat on a good day, but sometimes I feel like I have no control at night. Even when I do good during the day, I'm bad. I snack on chips, cookies, desserts, or whatever my boyfriend has in the house. And once I start, it's like I can't stop eating and I've ruined the whole day. Does this situation sound familiar to anyone? If you feel like you were in complete control during the day with your food, but at nighttime, you feel like all hell breaks loose and nothing will stop you from getting your sugar or carb fix on, I want you to know if that's you, you're not alone. Especially if you wake up the next day swearing you'll do better. Saying you'll do extra cardio on an empty stomach to make up for your binge or Cut out carbs and count your calories in an effort to control yourself and prevent another late night pantry bender. But oh boy, once that sunsets, it's like Groundhog Day and you do it all over again. That is a frustrating cycle and I've been there. Whenever I have someone like Susie who tells me about a struggle she's having with controlling cravings or snacking and maybe even just weight loss in general, I always ask, What have you tried in the past to help you stop overeating at night? Most commonly, clients like Susie tell me they've tried a few different diets or juice cleanses or started a 1,200 calorie low carb diet to help them, quote, control themselves. It's like they believed that putting limits on themselves with arbitrary diet rules that they would be able to magically say no to food and sugar forever and all of their magical weight loss and health dreams would come true. And you know what? That tactic works for a bit. Womp womp. It works for a few days when someone like Susie has willpower, right? Quote, willpower. She'll start on Monday and successfully avoid sugar on Monday night. Maybe even Tuesday and maybe even Wednesday. She'll distract her brain from thoughts of sugar by drinking Diet 7-Up or skinny teas, chewing gum, or locking herself in her room in an effort to avoid the kitchen. But as soon as Susie comes face to face with salty, crispy chips and ooey gooey queso at Thursday night happy hour, she'll forget all about that juice cleanse and go ham. She might even say F it entirely and stop by a 7-Eleven on the way home for a stale donut because why even bother sticking to a diet she already messed up? Cue the guilt trip and weekend binge fest. And then on Monday, she'll restart her diet because she feels guilty. Rinse, lather, repeat. I'm hoping what you see is how restriction of food, calories, carbs, is not a long-term solution. When it comes to willpower, Willpower is such a myth. It's finite. And here's why. Your body, it needs food and it will stop at nothing to get it. The truth is, your body doesn't give a rat's ass if you reach your weight from high school. It doesn't care if you have abs, nor is it concerned whether or not you feel confident at your neighbor's pool party, no. It simply cares about keeping you alive. Staying alive, right? In order to keep you alive, Your body requires energy, walking, talking, breathing, pumping blood from your heart to your organs, digesting, even menstruation. All of these basic functions require energy. And guess what? Calories from food provide said energy, especially carbohydrates. Now, while every single body requires different amounts of energy to keep it functioning, I want to put it in perspective for you. A toddler's daily energy requirements are between 1,200 and 1,400 calories per day. Did you hear me? 1,200 to 1,400 calories for a toddler. Guess what? You're not a toddler. I hope. I don't really feel like toddlers should be listening to this podcast. And if they are, I give them a lot of credit. But anyway, you're not a toddler, I'm assuming, so don't try to feed your body 1,200 calories and expect to float through life in a good mood with lots of energy. Because if you do, your body is going to freak the heck out on you and start screwing around internally in response to multiple days without enough food. You're asking me, Kate, what do you mean my body starts screwing around? What, what goes on? Let me tell you, it happens in a few ways. Number one, your body responds to its lack of nutrition by slowing down its metabolism. This is smart. This helps preserve the little energy that you're consuming. It also helps preserve that energy you've already got on your body, aka fat, because In response to not getting enough food, your body doesn't know when it's going to need to pull from these stores. So by slowing your metabolism down, your body is keeping you alive. Number two, your body starts sending you strong, and I mean strong signals to eat. Your response to hunger will be heightened and harder to ignore the longer you underfuel yourself. This is because your body is trying to tell you like, hello, I need food. And that sensation of hunger only gets stronger over time. And this explains why willpower doesn't work. Another way your body messes around is by slowing the release of a hormone called leptin, which signals to your brain that you are full and it's time to stop eating, time to put the fork down. This means when you have slow release of leptin, your body is going to make it very difficult for you to stop eating. So once you do start eating, it's gonna be hard to portion control. You may feel like a bottomless pit around those chips and salsa that are put in front of you at the Mexican restaurant or that bread basket at Olive Garden. Now, someone who has been depriving themselves from nutrients may also feel compulsive around environmental food cues. For instance, after a few days of low-calorie or carbs, simply seeing someone else enjoy a forbidden food like pasta can make you feel out of control. To better illustrate, here's a situation that may sound familiar to you. You're on a diet, but you go to lunch with friends. You, trying to be this (laughs) picture-perfect example of health, orders the salad with no croutons, no cheese, dressing on the side, and a water while your friends put in an order to split cheese fries. While you're waiting for the food, you keep thinking about those fries. You feel anxious and maybe even a little bit envious. You give yourself a mental pep talk. I won't eat it. I won't eat it. I won't eat it. And then the fries arrive, along with your shitty boring salad. Your friend, knowing that you love cheese fries, offers you one. And you think, hmm. Well, I've been good all week long. One can't hurt. So you have one. And damn, it is good. Your body is like, yes, queen, eat another fry. And so you're like, okay, one more, and then I'll stop. And before you know it, you've had over half of their fries and are offering to split the tab for dessert. If this has ever happened to you, you may have felt guilty or bad about yourself after the fact, especially if this is happening to you in the evening time when late night snacking and munching is a problem. I encourage you not to feel this way because that hasn't proven itself productive in the past. What does guilt do for you? How does it serve you? It doesn't. Rather, I encourage you to reframe your perspective. Do I sound like a therapist there? Reframe your perspective, young grasshopper. Your body is sending you strong signals to eat those french fries, aka a calorically dense food. It's full of energy as a way to protect you. That's your body saving you from what it perceived as starvation. It saw an opportunity to nourish itself and save up energy for the next starvation period that you keep throwing at it so it took advantage. So thank you, body, say I love you, body, for making me eat those cheese fries. But science aside, why do we keep falling back into diet traps despite failure after failure after failure? How come we are always eager to dive right back into a diet despite hearing from all of the Instagram influencers and all of the anti-diet dietitians about why dieting doesn't work long term? Well, I'm so happy you asked. Let me tell you why. First off... We're dieting the wrong way and we're conditioned. We are conditioned to, quote unquote, diet the wrong way. We're conditioned to restrict instead of change how we're eating. Remember how Susie was able to tap into her willpower for three days? Her three days of calorie and carb restriction likely resulted in major water loss, which she mistook for body fat loss when she stepped on the scale. By seeing her weight go down after dieting for a few days, Susie's brain begins to make little neural connections. It learns, oh, okay, diet restrict, that equals success. Uh, Restriction, that equals results. Low carb, that's good. Low calorie, that's great. Even if she consciously is aware that she's not losing body fat because she's heard a million times that it's water weight the first few days, she still can't help but to feel excited by seeing that scale number go down, so she learns and conditions herself to think that restriction is the answer. However, as soon as her body wins that fight against Susie's resistance to eat in an attempt to save her life, her brain learns Susie is a failure. Susie is hopeless. Susie will never lose weight. The more often this cycle repeats, the more ingrained in Susie's little brain it is that she is a hopeless loser who will never lose weight. But at the same time, she's also being conditioned to learn that restriction is the answer. It's like a little game of ping pong. So now you're like, all right, great, Kate. This makes me feel super hopeful not how do i decondition myself to stop buying a ticket for that busted old diet restriction train when i don't even trust myself to be able to slow my roll with late night snacking well i'm glad you said that let me tell you what not to do to start what you should not do is put a bunch of rules on what you can and can't eat okay that's tip number one Instead, focus on what you should be eating more of during the day. So that way your body understands it's well taken care of. It's all copacetic, man. Your body's fueled. This starts with learning what your body needs. And it takes work. It takes patience. And it takes trial and error. If you have been dieting and restricting for so long... You may not even realize your body is giving you signals all day long. By blindly following rules made up by the author of some fad diet or some goofball nutrition coach, you've completely cut off communication with your body. You never have actually learned how to fuel yourself. You've simply learned how to follow direction. So start listening and documenting your response to food. This practice does not begin at the end of the day when your late night snacking gets out of control. No, this practice needs to begin in the morning. How you choose to fuel yourself at 8 a.m. will impact the choices you make at 8 p.m. This leads me to my next tip when it comes to getting a hold of your late night snacking habit. It's not only the most effective tip, But in my opinion, it's the most fun tip because it involves focusing on what you should eat more of instead of focusing on the things you should eat less of. This tip is to properly fuel yourself during the daylight hours so your body gets the message that there is no scarcity of food. When you give your body consistent sources of quality nutrition, you're letting it know there is no reason to freak out and there is no reason to send your brain rapid urgent signals to binge on sugar or carbs or whatever your poison is in the evening. Now, if you're like a lot of my new clients, you may be totally mind fucked by this. Most people are conditioned to think that in order to lose weight, they need to eat less. And while this is inherently true, there is a strategy. Unfortunately, most people who embark on a weight loss journey choose the strategy of restriction. And this involves cutting calories and carbs early in the day when one has that good old willpower or the distractions of a workday to distract them from eating. The problem is this doesn't help when it's time to unwind and relax in the evening. At the end of the full day, most people have less energy and they don't have a lot of motivation to make healthy choices. This combination of decreased willpower and those physiological drivers to eat sugar that we talked about earlier results in a tougher time resisting food in general. But again, that's normal. It's your body's way of saving you. Yay body! Thanks for saving me yet again. But instead of restricting earlier in the day We gotta flip our script, and we gotta focus on eating more when the sun's out. Not only will our body be better at burning that energy for fuel because you're more likely moving about, but it also won't feel deprived. It'll get the message of, oh, Jenny's taking care of me. There's tons of food, I'm good. I don't need a whole family-sized bag of hot Cheetos tonight. Don't believe me? I get that, I was a skeptic, and even to this day, even as a practicing dietitian who talks about these things all the time, I have to remind myself of how much better I feel when I nourish myself, even when I have that little urge to restrict food after a party or a weekend where I overindulged. Whenever I have that urge to snack at night, it's always because I'm either a about to have my period, let's be real, sorry men, or B, I didn't eat enough quality nutrition during the day. But does eating more during the day mean you should just eat whatever you want, whenever you want, meaning you can thrive off of Starbucks chocolate muffins and mango passion iced teas for breakfast, Oreo cookies for mid-morning snacks, and a whole pizza for lunch? No, silly goose, of course not. Nourishing yourself during the day means putting healthful, nutritious foods in your body. You need a combination of healthy proteins, good fats, and fiber-rich carbohydrates at every meal and snack. Yeah, did you hear me? I said carbohydrates, not afraid to admit it. In our one-on-one coaching, we help our clients figure out exactly what specific balance of these macronutrients they need. But for today's episode, I'll explain how each macronutrient helps you feel fueled so you don't have a case of those hunger gremlins at 10 p.m. Let's start with protein, often lacking in my female clients' diets because it is crucial for long-term satiety. When I review my clients' food journals, I often notice they struggle with getting enough protein at breakfast. Remember, what you eat at 8 a.m. affects how you eat at 8 p.m., so this is a great place to start. A client I have, let's call her Business Barbie, told me something like, I don't get why I get so hungry one to two hours after I have breakfast because I'm eating healthy foods and I'm eating a lot. So I'm like, okay, interesting. What kinds of healthy foods? What are healthy foods to you? and barbie will tell me well i have a packet of apple cinnamon oatmeal with berries and i cook that in almond milk and i usually have a big glass of organic natural orange juice are these healthy foods sure they're nutritious but is that a balanced satiating meal not really yeah it's high in fiber but there's no protein and virtual no fat newsflash almond milk basically has no nutrition unless you are purposely buying one that is fuller fat like elmhurst brand most almond milks are just water with a little hint of nut carbohydrates especially on an empty stomach are quickly digested and readily used for energy this means your body can use it quickly and, and that's great this means your body's efficient at taking food and doing what it's supposed to with it which is using it for energy But however, once your body absorbed all that energy into your bloodstream very quickly, your blood sugar is going to spike in response. Consequently, it's going to come crashing down and it's at that crash where you may experience some extreme hunger or like the Snickers commercial, hangriness. It can be really difficult to control portions at your next meal or say no to break room treats before lunch when you're feeling hangry. For many people quote, messing up in the day with vending machine temptations or junk snacks can go one of two ways. They'll either say, well, the whole day is shot. It's only 11 a.m. and I already had a Snickers bar. Why even bother trying? And then the rest of their day just is full of junk food and crap in their old usual ways. Or two, the person will compensate for their poor choices by restricting calories and food. Either way, we know this cycle is going to continue to repeat itself. Who's been there? If you have, let me know about your specific story and send me a direct message on Instagram telling me you know exactly what I'm talking about. I call this riding the blood sugar wave and it never ends well. It always ends with a crash. But you guys think I'm going to lay out all your problems and not give you a solution? Nah, not me. Never. That ain't my style, you guys. You gotta start by doing a little dietary recall and start with breakfast. Take pen to paper and jot down what you've eaten for breakfast the past, eh, four to five days. And if you can't remember, I get it, I'd be very impressed if you could remember. So if you can't remember, take pen to paper or finger to food tracker app, and take note of what you're eating this morning. Ask yourself, am I eating mostly carbohydrates? Carbohydrates would be things like toast, oats, fruit, juice, sweetened beverages, breakfast, crackers, pastries, cereals. And then look at that list and say, okay, are there carbs that I'm eating that are more healthful healthful for me or am I mostly consuming junk? I would say at breakfast, anything with over five grams of added sugar, including yogurts, shakes, smoothies, cereals, oats, jams, jellies, teas, coffee. Yeah, that's mostly junk and you don't need that in the morning. And then ask yourself if you're eating enough food or if you're purposely restricting yourself. So if you're only having, I don't know, half a protein bar and an iced coffee, that's probably not enough food, especially if you're struggling with snacking later in the day or night. So if the answer is yes to any of those questions, here's what you get to do now. You need to, one, add some protein. Yeah, while everyone is different, you should aim for about 20 to 30 grams of protein at breakfast to start. This may mean you decrease your overall serving of carbohydrates. If you're used to eating a cup of cereal, consider having it and pairing it with a low sugar Greek yogurt. Or if you normally have half a cup of oats with berries and OJ, swap out the OJ for water and coffee and then add on a couple eggs. Other high protein breakfast ideas besides eggs and Greek yogurt include Ezekiel bread or cereal, whey protein added to smoothies, cottage cheese, deli turkey or chicken, natural chicken or turkey sausage, nova salmon, or even milk. Cows or soy works great. Both have a lot of protein. The second thing you need to do is swap out any sugary breakfast items for whole food carbs. I'm telling you, no one needs pancakes, donuts, pastries, or banana bread for their first meal every day of the week, okay? You don't need brown sugar in your oats or frosties in your flakes. Choose whole food carbohydrates and add natural sweetness with cinnamon or fruit. Little side note there, honey, agave, and natural maple syrup are still metabolized as sugar, so use sparingly. And if you look at your breakfast and it's a healthy source of carbohydrate, make sure it's enough food to actually keep you full for about three to four hours. If it's not, you need to add in some protein or in a similar vein, ensure you've got some fat in your breakfast fat helps steady those blood sugars and keeps you feeling fuller longer this will help you say no to mid-morning snacking midday snacking or finishing a super large order of lo mein at lunch while many protein-rich foods such as eggs meat cottage cheese greek yogurt or milk have fats in them you gotta be mindful first don't buy fat-free dairy If your proteins are super lean, I'm talking egg whites, deli chicken, low-fat Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, turkey, you gotta make sure there's some extra fat in there. My first tip would be to stop buying fat-free dairy. Don't kid yourself, it doesn't taste good, and if it's fat-free, it's not going to keep you as satisfied for as long. So make sure that the yogurt you're buying or the cottage cheese or the milk that you're buying at least has some fat in it. If you hate the taste of it, you need to add fats. Now my favorite ways to add some natural fats to meals, especially meals that are lacking in fat like egg whites or deli chicken and carbohydrate rich things, is to add some natural nut butter or avocado to sprouted grain toast, sprinkling some nuts and seeds into low sugar high fiber cereals, or putting unsweetened coconut and hemp seeds in smoothie bowls. Now these strategies should not only be applied at breakfast, make sure what you're eating at lunch follows similar guidelines. I encourage you to also leverage lunchtime as an opportunity to consume more filling vegetables. Not only are they healthy for you, like duh, we all know that from kindergarten, but they're full of fiber which is going to keep you fuller for longer. Helps with snacking, right? And they're also packed with nutrients so your body's cells have what it needs to carry out daily functions. Plus, a lot of my clients have trouble getting other members in their household to eat veggies. Fair enough. Maybe they've got picky husbands, picky kids, picky spouses. Lunchtime is usually an individual meal, meaning you probably don't have to worry about those selective diners in your home. Optimize this time to load up on veggies that your family members or roommates can't get down with. And rub it in their faces. Let them know they're missing out on deliciousness, because maybe I'm biased as a dietitian, but I think vegetables are bomb. This being said, I'm not recommending you just eat a garden salad with vinaigrette on the side. No, you will be underfueling and hungry later. You need to balance out these veggies with lean proteins and healthy fats so you feel satisfied both mentally and physically. We have tons of dietitian-approved lunch ideas and recipes on our blog, orlandodietitian.com slash blog. Currently, my favorite lunchtime items include the Thai chicken salad. I make it with Greek yogurt instead of mayo, so it's full of protein and delicious. And then all of the Power Bowls. We've got a sesame seed not sesame seeds, sesame fried rice, we've got a black bean salsa chicken power bowl, Oh, they're so good, and those are things that you can make in bulk and eat throughout the week. The next tip I have for you is to start identifying your triggers to snack after dinner or late into the night. Awareness is crucial because guess what? When we're aware, changing our behavior becomes a choice. I had a client tell me that, and I just love it so much. Once you're aware, it's a choice, and that's empowering. So maybe your client is simply physiological, and eating more during the day is going to help you say no at night. So maybe all of the information we've discussed this far is the answer for you. If so, great, awesome. I'm excited for you. Make sure you tell me how it works on Instagram. However, let's be real... There are a lot of mental and emotional and habitual reasons why we may want to eat at night. Common evening snacking triggers that I've heard from clients and have even experienced myself include seeing someone else in the house eat and wanting to get in on it, boredom, routine, like maybe it's habitual for you to pour a glass of wine or pop open a bag of chips in front of the TV at night, Some people snack at night because of comfort. Eating is a wonderful distraction from uncomfortable feelings or emotions such as loneliness, sadness, depression, and stress. Stress is a huge one that I hear. However, it's not so wonderful after the eating episode is done. Then you still feel crappy, if not worse. And a lot of people eat at night because of this human desire to rebel and break diet rules that they set for themselves. Megan talks a lot about how she likes to rebel against diet, diet rules. So to kind of illustrate this, let's say uh, you swear off sugar and you decide you're not going to have sugar for 30 days, but as a result, the temptation of sugar only grows stronger than it had ever been. And by day 14, you're like, screw this. I am eating a whole bag of Sour Patch Kids and then I'm having some cookies. And the next day you have a Starbucks, Frappuccino, whatever. It's that need to rebel. It's against these weird rules you put on yourself and your desire to just break them all. So I'm giving you permission right now to, hold on a second, but pause this podcast and reflect in complete silence about your own late night eating habits. Now, if this is hard for you, consider the last couple times you overate at night and try to step back into that moment again. What were you feeling? Were you stressed about work? Were you feeling anxious? Were you lonely? Or were you celebrating and rewarding yourself after a tough workout or a long day at work? What were you doing? Were you watching TV? Were you outside on your patio? Were you with anyone or were you alone? If you were with someone, how does that person make you feel or impact your eating behaviors? Were they encouraging you? Were they not eating? Were they a stressful, triggering person in your life where you feel like you need to eat just to deal with them? What did your environment look like? Were you relaxed on the couch or were you standing over the sink eating a bowl of cereal? So pause this podcast right now, right now, and write down some stuff. Okay, once you narrow down what it is exactly that makes you reach for late night goodies, you are able to explore how to change this. So my friend, I ask you, what about your situation can you change to help you not turn to food at night. The only unacceptable answer, the only answer I will not take from you that will give you a big fat F is, I don't know, because I promise if you think hard enough for long enough, you will know. You have more control than you think. I'm not gonna just spoon feed you an answer to all of those hypothetical situations for two reasons. One this is a podcast and I can't possibly know your specific situation unless you are a one-on-one client and ain't nobody got time for me to go through all of my clients specific struggles and share a solution for that okay book an appointment if that's what you need and two studies show the people who conjure up their own potential solutions are more likely to follow through on testing them out and seeing results so if I were to just tell you you know if you just poured your heart out to me about your struggles and I say well just don't buy chips (laughs) like seems like a pretty obvious solution but what if there's someone in your household making it very difficult for you not to keep chips in the house and you've tried it before and it was just hell because everyone was up your butt about how there wasn't any chips in the house and all the Cheeto-holics were giving you hell every single day and finally you just gave in and you bought the chips again and you were back at square one. Right? So if I just start giving you basic ass tips, that might not help you. If you really, really can't figure out, or you can't find and implement a solution to whatever it is that's driving you to snack or binge at night, then I do encourage you to reach out to us on the DAP application. What we won't do is hand you a list of what to eat and what not to eat, but rather open up a deeper conversation about what's going on below the surface have you ever seen that image of an iceberg where you can just see the tip of the iceberg but most of it like 90% of it is underwater? that's what we're gonna help bring to the surface Megan my incredible partner in crime fellow dietitian at nutrition awareness or I will help you uncover what's really causing you to eat at night in excess and explore potential solutions that fit your lifestyle and your situation and even better with that we're gonna hold you accountable to those solutions we're not just gonna let you fly free we're going to say nope every single day how you doing how you going <laughs> we're just gonna be your support system and the person that you can turn to whenever you need help with your eating struggles As we wrap up this podcast, I want to review the main topics and leave you with some tangible next steps to help you get to the bottom of your late night munchin. Step one, do a food and hunger audit. Be honest with yourself. Nobody has to see this. Be very transparent with yourself. Are you eating enough during the day or are you restricting? If you are restricting, is this restriction intentional or by accident? If it's on purpose honestly ask yourself, how has this purposeful restriction worked out for you in the long term so far? Is purposely cutting out food groups or overly cutting calories really serving you? And if it's unintentional, how can you make nourishing yourself throughout the day a priority? How can you remind yourself to eat balanced meals or make time to eat balanced meals? Step two, if you notice that your late night snacking is more closely related to an emotional or habitual trigger. Schedule some time to self-reflect. Irene, really schedule it. Like block it out in your calendar. Block out 30 minutes. And I even more so encourage you to take pen to paper and write about any kind of late night eating experiences that you can remember or upcoming ones that you have. Now it might sound daunting and kind of I don't know weird (laughs) but here's why this works a it forces you to tune out any distractions and explore the depths of your own mind as you think about triggers or feelings it's kind of like you are an archaeologist digging up buried clues you'll discover things you might not even have realized were there and causing you to eat. And B, writing down your experiences with food also helps you evaluate your personal relationship with eating. Perhaps your snacking is simply because you're bored and it's been a long-term occupant of your time. Or maybe it's more complex and you learned from your childhood guardians that food was the number one distraction from anxiety. And eating is just a way to keep pushing and pushing down what's causing you anxiety because A lot of times, what's causing us the most distress is really scary to face. So food, drinking, numbing out in front of the TV, gambling, spending tons of money online on stupid crap that we don't even need, that's a great way to avoid our problems. My third piece of homework for you is to pick a solution and implement it. Do some trial and error. This might not be the solution, but you'll never know until you try. And again, if you need help figuring out a solution or you're not even sure what to do with all this information, maybe you're feeling like it's all of these things for me, I need to do all these things and you're feeling overwhelmed, don't sweat it, we can help. Just fill out that DAP application that I mentioned earlier and describe your problem to us and we'll see how we can help you on your journey. That's orlandodietitian.com backslash coaching. I'll go ahead and link that in the show notes for you. All right. I hope this episode was helpful for you guys. If you enjoyed it or you genuinely learned something, if you're feeling motivated, inspired, I ask you from the bottom of my little heart to please share this episode with a friend or even leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to. Our business and our podcast both grow from word of mouth. So your support means worlds to us. If you've got something impactful from this episode, please share it and spread the word. All right, guys, I'll see you around and I'll see you on the next episode Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real and keep it healthy.